He's Bobby Hensley. I'm Sean Styers. We're two guys talking sports movies, and we are continuing with our <laughs> Rocky franchise. We've done Rocky One or Rocky. Rocky. We've done Rocky Two, mm-hmm. and now, of course, it's time for Rocky Three. Right. If you haven't had enough Rocky yet, that's your problem. Yeah, that's exactly right. We're bringing right. it to you. That's okay. We've got a listener who is not a big boxing guy. Let me ask you something. So, because you were born mid '80s. And I think by the time you became a, you know, even like 10, 11, 12 and into your teens, for the most part, boxing had really died in popularity because it's it's at the end of like, do you remember when the Mike golden Tyson? Era. Yeah. Do you remember when Mike Tyson was still fighting, for example? See, I remember him post um, uh, jail term fighting. <laughs> right. Holyfield biting off the ear and all that stuff. It's like I remember when Tyson fought uh, Lennox Lewis. Okay. And Lennox Lewis beat him. He wasn't the same boxer. So I remember that, but I don't remember his heyday at all. Yeah. So are you much of a boxing, like are you into boxing at all? I know you like pro wrestling, and we'll get to touch on some of that in this, obviously. (laughs) Finally. But the boxing, it depends. Like I think it's the same as almost any sport. If it's good, I'll, I'll follow it and I'll enjoy it. Okay. But... Like and I've watched the stuff on Ali and on Foreman and on yeah. Ken Norton and all that stuff, but I don't follow it nowadays because like there's a Fury Wilder fight coming up and that's pretty exciting. Yeah, but I'm not gonna go out of my way to watch it. So we were just talking as we were coming into the studio today. We've already said we're only doing Rocky one th- through four. We're not doing Rocky five because it is <laughs> it is the worst. Of all the Rocky franchises, and that, of course, includes the two Creed movies. And so you said, hey, what if we do Ali? Yeah, and, fill the gap with something. Yeah, that wouldn't be a bad idea. Yeah. I saw but, that movie, and I've got uh, – I'll, I'll save it to the time that we actually do Ali. But I've got I've got some good stories that we can uh, work into that if we decide to do it. Well, and you talk about boxing and golden era that still kind of exists. It's just there aren't as many stars, right? And right. back then it was all the heavyweights. And that's see, and that's I think that that's the biggest reason boxing has really tapered in popularity. One, you've got the rise of USC and MMA and all that kind of stuff. Pro wrestling, I think, has managed to kind of keep its popularity, which is interesting to me because I think its peak was really Hulk Hogan, nineteen eighties WrestleManias, and and all that different kinds of stuff. But so it's managed to keep it. But boxing. With the decline of especially American contenders, I think it's really fallen off in popularity. Right. Like the only people that I can even think off the top of my head are like Floyd Mayweather. Yeah. He's undefeated. He's 50 and 0. Like that could be somebody. But well, because I mean, like in the 70s, you had Ali, you had Frazier, Liston, Norton, those guys right. right there. And then obviously you get into the Spinks brothers when they come around, and then Tyson, and really. It was Tyson. I always said that that Tyson was a lion in an era of sheep when it came to the heavyweights. You know, Holyfield was there for a little but bit. The, he was really, it, yeah, what, Lennox Lewis. Wasn't but, Foreman still trying to fight back then, too? Yeah, he made that comeback. Yeah. And it just showed, the, you know. It, it, it's sheep. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Exactly. Until but, he ran into Buster Douglas. Yeah. But anyway, there's our history <laughs> of, of boxing in America. Let's get in. To Rocky Three. This is an entirely different kind of Rocky film compared to the first two because Rocky is obviously pretty stark, and we've talked about kind of lacks dialogue, but it's more about the grittiness of the Philadelphia mean streets and the environment and everything. Rocky Two, 
more dialogue, but still, I, I would maybe call Rocky two a combination of Rocky and Rocky three. He's emerging, but he's yeah, not there yet. Exactly. But then uh, this one, I think, has a much different feel. Starting with the very beginning, like Rocky two, this one starts with a final fight scene from the previous movie. Right. So he kind of figured out his way to to kind of keep that going. You're getting the tones of Bill Conti's orchestral. Rocky theme music as you're watching the final fight between Rocky and Apollo Creed, and they both go down at the same time. And then all of a sudden, and this, by the way, Rocky Three is the last film until Rocky Balboa, where you get a traditional version to of use Bill that music. score. Yeah. yeah, that's right. But then we transition out of the 70s and into the 80s. That's right. It's, Eye of the Tiger. It's no journey. No, it's no journey. You know, but I was actually kind of sitting here listening to it, and I was like, it's really not that far off from Journey. It's a little hit, maybe a little heavier punch than Journey. Yeah. Actually, growing up, I just assumed that Journey had been in one of the Rocky movies because it sounds like it's so <laughs> that's, fitting. That's true. It's interesting. Some interesting notes, and I'm sure that you saw a lot of this before settling on the film's signature, this signature song, Eye of the Tiger, which becomes. Again, this is Rocky Three, and this is early in Rocky Three. The first two movies, it's pretty much all Bill Conti with the mm-hmm. Rocky stuff, gonna fly now, and 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 all of that. So now we get into the '80s, and we're in 1982 when Rocky Three hits, and so now we're going a little bit more pop music, pop culture. We're shifting gears, and you can see that early on, and just after it gets out of that fight scene and just the presentation with that montage and all that stuff. And what year did Rocky II come out? Rocky II was 79. So there was still quite a bit of time between the movies. Yeah. Yeah, the, this movie, well, the budget was obviously bigger. It was more polished. But like you say, the films, all of the Rockies somehow depict part of Stallone's life. Right. And so this one was showcasing him as almost a glitz and glamour guy. Exactly. He'd been coached up to be this elegant face of boxing Exactly. And I'll, I'll get to that okay. in a minute. I wanted to finish the notes yeah, on Eye of the Tiger because I'm sure, because yeah. interesting, they, they essentially kind of settled on Eye of the Tiger because Stallone wanted to use Another One Bites the Dust yeah. by Queen, which was already a hit. Yeah. It spent six weeks at number one on the Billboard Hot 100 chart and was the number two single of 1982. But then. This guy named Joe Esposito, who most people probably haven't heard of, records a song called You're the Best. It was recorded for the film, but Stallone rejects that and goes with this, Eye of the Tiger, instead. It's become an iconic song. It's still in commercials. Itself. And, yeah. yeah. But interesting yep. that You're the Best ends up being used in Karate Kid. So it wasn't a waste. No. Yeah. And also another song... By Survivor, two songs from Survivor end up being used in that. The Moment of Truth, which I don't really remember, but also High on You. Right. Which is, that's like if you listen to High on You, Journey could have done High on You, don't oh, you think? Journey can do anything. Their range is huge. <laughs> that's Steve right. Perry's a legend. No, that's yeah, right. so that's cool that their song still got used. And I think uh, Eye of the Tiger, I wonder if they had already had the song picked out when they added that line into the movie. 
Which line? Eye of the oh, tiger. the eye of the tiger with Apollo. Because yeah. it probably is said fifteen times in this movie. Well, see, and remember, that could have been a drinking game. Remember the tiger jacket, and they're at the uh-huh. zoo with the tiger. Right. Yeah, I still haven't been able to find anything that connects all those together, but I have to think there there's has to some be. kind of connection to all that. It's a little too random to have. Yeah. So then they go to the. He goes to the zoo with Adrian. They're at the. There's a tiger in a cage. And he ends right. up one of the things with the, the black the coat, satin that, jacket. Yeah. yeah, the black satin jacket with a tiger on the back. So, and then did Survivor already have the song written, or that I don't know. Was it composed for this? That I don't know. So I think that they had to have gotten that song mm-hmm. and then gone back and changed some of the lines. You mentioned the budget though, seventeen million dollar budget for Rocky Three. It grossed more than one hundred and twenty five million worldwide. Do you remember the budget of the first Rocky? Was it two hundred thousand? A million bucks, or a million? A million. Point one wasn't it? In that anything well, over a million? The budget they had was to, a million, yeah, but yeah. but it ended up going a million one, and the, and the two producers had to shell out, yeah, yeah, had, had to take out mortgages on their house. So but, seventeen so, times so the budget. So in six years, yeah, seventeen times the budget for Rocky Three. And I bet a lot of that went to Stallone himself, <laughs> yeah, his right. own fee for acting. Probably did. Well, because he writes it, he directs, and he acts in it, of course. But uh, this went a lot glitzier than the first two, starting with that opening montage. We see. Rocky knocking guys out, and he's going on the Muppet Show, which actually which is a happened. real thing. Yeah. yeah, there's real pictures of him at the Academy Awards. In right, there. that's right. I forgot about the Academy Awards, and then of course he also mentioned. Remember in Rocky Two, he mentions Kermit the Frog. Right. Um, so that's why he was brought on yep. from that appearance. Adrian, who's never liked watching Rocky fight, we see her, and of course she came from really humble beginnings, like Rocky Two. Or like Rocky, Rocky himself. as well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not the movie. Yeah, grammar yeah. pal. But yeah. she's wearing really fancy clothes and she's cheering him on in the stands. And then, of course, we also see Clubber Lang, well, Mr. T. Well, I, I love the way they're just showing Rocky kind of going through everything. And then they just show him in the crowd first. And he meets three presidents, too. Do you remember that? Carter, Rocky? Carter, Ford, and Reagan. There's pictures of him with, with huh. all three uh, presidents. Well, good for him. <laughs> They, but then, yeah, then you meet Clever Lang, who's the, yes. kind of what Rocky used to be. Right. Like the hungry, a, up and yeah. coming. Yeah. A scrappy. Although Stallone was never really up and coming, I guess, because he just kind of got that gift shot. How about underdog? Yeah. yeah. And he, I don't even know if Clever Lang was an underdog, but. Yep. Then, but Stallone has 10 title defenses in this montage. Which had to been like one a month, I right? Know. And that's because, isn't it only, we're only like two years down the road or something like that? They said that? two. In, in in what's it's supposed to be time, the movie time? Rocky yeah, time, yeah. Exactly. So that's a lot of fighting, but then you find, well, that's deep stuff, but then later you find out that they were all pretty much picked out for him. Yeah, exactly. But then Clever Lang starts beating up people. You see his matches. It was seven. I want Balboa. Besides that, which was awesome, it was seven <laughs> minutes till you get any dialogue in the movie. Was that montage seven minutes yeah. long? Because I had that. This montage seems like it goes on forever. It was seven. But you get a lot of yeah. stuff in there. Right. You, you get a nice recap of the last one. You get to meet Clubber Lang. It sets the whole movie yeah. up. And this movie in particular, more than the other two Rockies we've already done, it's only about the boxing. That's And that's what I was going to get to, but... Just want to note, Stallone, by the way, the master of the montage, when you think of it. I mean, sure. we, we, we kind of talked about it, how, yeah, there had been montages before Rocky, but Stallone really perfects that montage through this through this franchise. In more than one way, because he does it at the beginning, he does it through training, he does it during matches. Right. Yeah, and then and this, to, to kind of set everything up. And, of course, then, you know, again, like going back to that glitz, when the montage ends, 
Rocky Three, or did it start with with Rocky Three? I think with, it with the lights at the end of that. I yeah, thought it was Rocky Three, and everything is glitzier and glamier. But I do assume that this made you happy because there was not, unlike Rocky and Rocky Two, or like Rocky Two, it took like half the movie to get to the actual action. Even in Rocky, there's bits and pieces, but it's almost to the end. There's action throughout this whole movie. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. And he said that he had ran out of ideas after Rocky two, mm-hmm. so that Rocky three he did pretty much just for to continue the franchise. He didn't know what to do. At one point, he thought about killing off his character in Rocky three. Yeah, like he was going to die in Rome, maybe at the Coliseum. Yeah, at the Coliseum. Right? Yeah. He did an interview with Roger Ebert apparently in 1979, and his original idea. This was going to be the last of the Rockies, and it obviously turns out being a good decision not to make it the last one and not kill yeah. <laughs> Rocky off, here we are. because 45 <laughs> yeah. years later. We're still yeah. going. <laughs> so then, I don't know, how, how can you want to kill it off, and it just seems weird. It'll be a weird... It just shows, though, that it wasn't a pre-calculated sort of plan that Stallone had for any of this. When they I, were just kind of going as this thing built up. Rocky's ahead. It wins an Academy Award. It launches him. He starts writing more, acting a little bit more, and then he writes all these movies. I think I even asked him on one of our previous podcasts, do you think he had intentions for more Rocky movies, or do you think he was out? This shows that he was out. I hadn't read this before that. Yeah. But back then, how many movies had multiple in a series like this that were still profitable? Exactly. And we kind of talked about that. Especially this profitable. Yeah, because really, it was Godfather and Godfather 2 which both came before Rocky, but those were two of the biggest ones, and everyone... And there wasn't a third. Yeah. Well, there was, but it took, like, oh. 20 or 30 years yeah. or something like that, but yeah. still. So uh, to have a third in a franchise is kind of amazing. Yeah. And so this, and we've kind of hit this in some of our other Rocky podcasts, but he does Rocky two in 79. In 81, he does Nighthawks, where he's a street cop. Billy D. Williams and Rutger Hauer are the two co-stars. <laughs> he does Victory... The soccer the World War movie. II movie, yeah, with Pele and Michael Caine that we've mentioned a few times. And then in 82, it's Rocky II and First Blood, right. the first Rambo movie. And then in 85, it's Rocky IV and Rambo II. He's off and rolling. Rambo Three comes in 88, Rocky V in 1990. And then it takes, after Rocky V, it takes 16 years before he does Rocky Balboa in 2006. We'll get to that, but I enjoyed that one even. <laughs> no, I did too. I did too. I didn't want to. I thought I was going to hate it, but it was pretty good. It was. And it, it, I think we're all expecting all these stereotypes because we got so conditioned to it watching, especially, well, one through five. One through four. Again, there is no five. Five is an abomination. There is no Rocky there is five. No five. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's right. But you're right. This is where, you know, kind of autobiographical, just, when you look at the metaphors for for what's going on to the Rocky character compared to what's going on in Stallone's life, it's I don't know, this kind of bugs me almost because he changes so much in such a short amount of time. He really because I was looking for more, and you're talking about the physical changes, I assume. Well, everything physically for sure, but and then, like in the character's yeah. demeanor and yeah, yeah. No, he's he doesn't stutter anymore. That's true. Like, Ooh, you yeah. know, uh, yeah, you know, and now he doesn't do that anymore, and he lives in this luxurious house. He seemed like he always wanted to fight just to fight, and now he's like just doing it for the money pretty much. Yeah, and that's what really – Which I guess happens. I know I've got this in there somewhere, but he essentially 
he he's become in Rocky Three what Apollo was in mm-hmm. the first movie, where he completely overlooks this young, hungry opponent, completely overlooks him, and pays the price as a result. But he's got all these spoils of fame around him. And speaking of Ali, did you know that the outside of the mansion did was you his see house that was in Chicago? Yeah, it was yeah. Ali's Chicago mansion. So that's I, pretty. Cool I did time. not realize that until. Finding a little research on and, this. And, of course, the hungry young guy is Mr. T. Right. And so this is kind of, well, not kind of. It's really, this movie launches both Mr. T and Hulk Hogan. Terry Bollea, whatever yeah. you, you want to call him. I, we'll just call him Hulk Hogan. But yeah. Hogan's 29 when this comes out. Mr. T is 30, which is kind of hard to believe when you sit back and, you know, but... The movie launches both of them. Hogan, of course, he got well. When you look at, do you want to? Do you have some of of Hogan's history with the WWF now WWE and all that? I don't have a whole stuff? lot. I have that he was in. So back then, they were more territory for professional wrestling, right? And the WWF was yeah, like, like the, the new fiefdom right. still around the country, and they were up in the northeast part of the country, Connecticut mm-hmm. in that area, New York. And the guy that runs it now is Vince McMahon. His dad was the one running it. Yeah. And actually fired Hogan for making this movie. Yes. And then when he came... Because he didn't want him making this movie. Right. But then once, a couple of years after this film's success, and he became popular off of it because he went on The Tonight Show. He did a bunch of others. He actually ended up doing a few other movies. And they bring Hogan back as well because they Because what they were doing is taking over all the territories mm-hmm. around the country. And it really... That was the rise of, of a, was it's specifically the WWF. Sure. I don't think just pro wrestling. Because like you said, there were at least pocket popularity, I, I think, around the country. Because you had the WWF and then, what was it, the WWC that was like the stuff that was on Turner and TBS WCW. and all that. WCW. WCW, yeah. you. But they had like stuff, it's very niche. And then if like a character got stale, you could just ship him off to the next territory yeah. and bring in another guy. Yeah. And then they would just rotate around. And the WWF had the idea of Vince McMahon. To make it a global thing. And it became global. I mean, you can kind of credit (laughs) Stallone really for launching the popularity of that that whole thing, that that whole brand, WWF back then, now WWE. It's it's kind of funny because in this movie, it was still kind of taboo what was real and what was fake, I think. Yeah. So they (laughs) They did not talk publicly about what was fake. Right. They finally... Because of lawsuits, essentially, and all that kind of stuff, they they have you know washed their hands of it. They've they've they gave up on even trying to make anyone the believe front, yeah, yeah that anything was. But was that's real. part of why they didn't want them to make the this movie is because they were worried about it exposing how fake professional wrestling was. Yeah. So Mr. T becomes a pop culture icon after this. He hosts Saturday Night Live. He has cameos on Silver Spoons and Different Strokes, two of the popular sitcoms of the time. He's on Alvin and the Chipmunks. He has a cartoon that I don't remember Mr. that was T. actually called Mr. T. Yeah, and then, of course, he's B.A. Baracus on the A-Team for four years. Did you Have you ever seen any of the original A-Team, not the movie that came out a few years back? Wasn't the, he even in the new movie or was somebody I, else? I don't think he was. Okay, but that's just, disappointing. Yeah. No, I didn't have any experience with that show. Yeah, and that's you've got George Papard as Hannibal, Dwight Schultz as Howling Mad, Murdoch, the helicopter pilot, and then Dirk Benedict as face. And, uh, and that was a comedy, right? It was. It was a drama. I, I think I would say dramedy okay. because there were comedic <laughs> things that happened, but it was basically 
four renegade guys who are supposed to kind of be off the grid, getting into adventures and <laughs> helping save the day and, and all that kind of stuff. They, they remade that a couple of years ago, called it Heroes, I think. <laughs> That's kind of it. Yeah. Uh, Hogan, though, he uh, his fame is pretty much limited to the wrestling. Now, he dabbled every now and then. He would be in some stuff, but for the most part, I think he becomes, would you call him the most famous professional wrestler ever? Or at least... Yeah, I think so. Outside you, of the... Because he was already well-known inside of wrestling when this movie yeah. came out. But he, he was the first one to transcend popularity so much, and I think he is probably the most popular one of all time. Yeah, this movie really makes Hogan and Mr. T, it launches them into the pop culture, and really... Kind of wrestling, like what we call pop culture. It it almost kind of, you know, again when you're transitioning from the '70s and into the '80s, I think that some of the a lot of the origins anyway well, kind of go back to this. And the the dream or part of what the culmination of the WWF succeeding as a brand mm -hmm. because was, go ahead is of WrestleMania. Well, exactly, and I know that you're too young for this, but. I used I was still watching WWF back then. I'm you know high school and and just out of high school and and everything in in the in the mid to late 80s and I, I want to say it was still on USA Network back then. That's where you could find it most of the time. And the, what these guys ushered in was what they were calling the rock and wrestling. Oh God, sort yeah. of culture because. Cindy Lauper got involved because you had um oh man I can't think of the guy's name the guy that he was a big guy who had like the band-aids on in in like <laughs> entwined in his beard but he was in one of the Cindy Lauper videos why can't I think of his name but in any case that was like the big there was like you know the the wrestling traditionalists were fighting against the rock and wrestling right. culture and again like when you talk about the transition and just launching everything into the into the pop culture stratosphere that was a big part of it in that mid to late 80s and and into WrestleMania the first very first WrestleMania there in the late 80s cuz you had people like Cindy Lauper there you had well Wendy Richter you had the main event of the first WrestleMania was Hogan and Mr. T as a team right exactly yeah they were in WrestleMania together right so that that kind of launched that all into it being in existence. And then from there, they brought in Muhammad Ali, which was a boxer. Captain Lou Albano. Captain Lou Captain Albano. Captain Lou Albano. I bet he gets talked about all the time. <laughs> yeah, that's right. God. How yeah, how I could you forget, forget that Captain name? Captain Lou. Yeah. <laughs> wow. But then the other thing. So, in any case, I, I, I put Hulk Hogan at the. Sure, I the, think so too. The top of Mount Rushmore. But, I mean, The Rock, John Cena. They both had more crossover kind of stuff today when you talk about movies and well, stuff like that. And not not to the as extent, but Stone Cold Steve Austin's been on a lot of shows. That's true, too. He hosted his own uh, version of American Gladiators kind of called Broken Skull Challenge. Right. He's had some other show in USA. He's had a bunch of stuff, but not nearly as popular. Now, had you ever heard the story about the George Foreman grill and Hulk Hogan? Have you ever heard this? No. You've never heard this? No. Okay. So the, you, you know what the George Foreman grill is, though, Sure. Right? Everybody has. I have one. Exactly. So the George Foreman grill, before it was called the George Foreman grill, it was this grill was offered to Hogan through his no. agent in 1994. But he turns it down because he wanted to put his name on a meatball machine instead. Oh, my his God. Agent, his agent says, well, I've got this meatball maker and this grill. So Hogan says, that's fantastic. I want the Hulkamania 
meatball maker. And so his agent says, what about the grill? And Hogan says, I give that to your other client. And his other client With George Foreman. was George Foreman. Because it's almost was, a common name for a grill now. It's not yeah, even. Exactly. Yeah. And so Foreman goes oh, on to make no. over $200 million with the Foreman grill. And he didn't have to do anything for it. No. So just put his name on the product. Do some commercials. Yeah. Yeah. But, but I think it helped him because of that that comeback that he was making. He was he was oversized. Right. He was he was not nearly like when you look at George Foreman from the seventies. He was much more chiseled. Yeah, he was, a, and he was also mean. He was not this an agreeable person by any means. But he, I think he got born again, and then he transitions into this more lovable. And he's got the big bald shaved head and, and smile. Yeah, and he's he's this forty something making the comeback or late thirties or whatever it was at that point. And so I think that definitely helped him as well. Do you think if Hulk Hogan had done the grill and Foreman got the meatball maker? That the meatball maker would be very common, and we'd all have one of those now. That's a really good question. That's because that's what I'm thinking. But was it more because of the product, or was it because of Foreman's lovable personality? No, it was definitely the product. The product. <laughs> it had to be because <laughs> the grill indoor in the winter. It's nice to have that. Plus, if people true. were getting into healthy. You can foods, do a lot more things with the Foreman grill than the meatball maker. Right, that's a good point. Wow, but it's that's... also interesting that Hogan calls Balboa meatball during the but several uh, times. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's terrible. You know, I don't. I've heard a lot of stories that Hogan's not the brightest guy, so kind of shows it. So, did yeah. your opinion of Rocky Three change at all after watching it again? So, I don't think so. I really enjoyed it. I think, think for me, two might be my favorite, and three is probably my second. Okay. And I was going to ask you to rank them, so that kind of answers. And that. Stallone said in an interview, they asked him to rank all of his Rocky movies, and this one got a nine out of ten for him. Yeah, which it's his own movie, so of course he's. That's true, too. This was tougher for me than I thought it would be because I thought, again, two really different kinds of movies, Rocky and Rocky Three. So it's really kind of neck and neck. I would still probably give the original Rocky a little bit of an edge just because it was before any of this other stuff. as they It became a little bit more formulaic, but at the same time, I put Rocky ahead, then I put Rocky Three. Really did not like Rocky Two. Like, hmm. I think it's a pretty big... Now, I'm not saying well, I don't like it, but no, I'm just sure, saying right, it's a right. big fall-off. Yeah. To me, Rocky and Rocky Two are almost one long movie. That's a good point. It's and, it's almost like Rocky And part II of it is because the first time I watched it yeah, was together back It's just to back. an extension of but, the first one. Right. Yeah. You know, That's what bugged me about the first one is that the ending, you didn't get the resolution of a winner even. Now, what did you think about the fact that you got two fights in this one? Because you get... The first again, one. Again, because like when you talk about the pace of this movie... You go montage, you get a scene where they're, you know he's with Adrian, and then all of a sudden you're at the wrestling match, the charity wrestling match, and then boom, you're at the statue dedication where Clubber Lang confronts him, and then you go straight to Mickey and Rocky going back and forth about what you know the, right. the, the merits of whether or not he should take this fight. And then all of a sudden it's like, boom, you're he's going through the half-ass training and all that yeah. stuff in the ballroom, yeah. and then he's in the ring and he gets knocked out. Yeah, that was also kind of cool because that first fight, there was no montage. You saw every second of the fight. That's true, too. And that was the first time no in this franchise around, that they did that. But it didn't last very long, no. either. <laughs> no. <laughs> Unfortunately for him. But, I mean, so, yeah. And then, I mean, when you get out of that, then Apollo comes to him in their training. You get some lackadaisical training, and then you get a montage, and then you get the final fight, and then you get the, uh, spoiler alert, you get the fight between Apollo and Rocky, the favor at the end of the movie. So there was a lot of action in this. It right. Kept, kept you going. Yeah. Uh, 
So does any of it bug you? Uh, you want to get to that first? I think so. We can start there. Well, it, how about you? Did anything really, like, really bug you? I don't, yeah, a couple things. Okay. Um, why didn't Apollo just fight Clubber Lang? You know, I thought about that, too. Like, you almost could have worked. And why was Apollo so steadfastly retired? Because he's not. Right, because he comes yeah. out of retirement for Rocky Four. Well, absolutely work out for him. But even if you do, yeah. <laughs> a little morbid. Even if you don't know that, at the end of this movie, what's the last scene? Rocky and Apollo in a gym. Yeah, having a fake title fight between them. I kind of thought the same thing. Like after Rocky gets beat, why doesn't Apollo try to fight him? And isn't that kind of how real but boxing? Maybe that done? clutters things up a little bit at that point, right? Well, then you can't have a Rocky movie. I yeah. get it. And because I mean, well, but how how the, rare is it? I mean, you've never seen. A guy who is that newly retired jump into the corner of a guy who beat him and trained him to beat the other guy. He's got him and his crew right. training this guy now. The thing I'll accept that maybe I can let it go is that during the training, Apollo was better than Rocky at all the things. And then at the end of the training, Rocky was outrunning him. Rocky was doing the dan- he was doing everything better than Apollo. Yeah. So maybe it shows you that Apollo picked him because he knew he could be he could better. Push the buttons. Yeah, he yeah. could be better. But that bugged me. Yeah. Um, how come we didn't get to see any of Clever Lang training for that last fight? Because what I, I was left with is, <laughs> uh, sure. But what I'm left with is Clever Lang just overlooked Rocky because he thought he was a paper champion, wasn't very good. So Maybe he beat so. him once and he's like, eh, screw it. I'll beat him again. Yeah. It's kind of the way it was left for me. And then based on that, why wasn't there a part three why of doesn't, them? Why like, doesn't Clever Lang come to help him train to beat the Russian in Rocky Four? Yeah. That's the real unanswered After question. Apollo dies. After I don't, Apollo, yeah. I, who wants to train this guy? Fool! I'm going to train you now. Yeah. I pay the food goes against my training. Did you see where Mr. T and uh, Carl Weathers didn't get along yeah. with each other? And apparently that little exchange in the corner of the first fight was Borderline legit. Real. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> yeah. they just fought off screen. Yeah. I had never heard that before until I just saw this. I was, I've always wondered this, and then it came up again, of course, and I had kind of forgotten about it. The fact that Mickey was Jewish. Right. I was surprised because I think we had always been led to believe Irish. that he was Irish, but apparently the reason they did it mm-hmm. was Honor. because there are uh, have been a lot of Jewish Americans who had been successful trainers throughout boxing history. So his name turns out to be Mickey Goldmill and and they've got the rabbi doing the the funeral. And so that's that was it, kind of a nod to the Jewish American trainers over the years. But it's still it's like why it's out of left field. It seemed like yeah he he went deep on probably his research for that because you've got a guy named Mickey, and we've all always just kind of thought that he's an Irish guy. Did he have any lines to this movie that you like that you'd like to recite for us? Well, let's <laughs> let's let's save that. Let's I just want to hear that. Mickey. We've got lines and scenes yeah, coming up. You're gonna have plenty of opportunities for that. <laughs> Great. <laughs> but uh. this is by the way, Mickey was not in Rocky Four. And I don't remember, but he actually, Burgess Meredith has a credit in Rocky Five. I don't know if it was supposed to be a flashback. I mean, it would probably have had to have been a flashback since he's dead, but no credit at all for Rocky Four. But or out-of-body experience. Yeah, he is credited in Rocky Five. I was look. I, I was what year just Rocky, saw that. What year did the non-Rocky movie come out? Rocky Five? <laughs> 1990. And what year did he die? The actual Burgess Meredith? Yeah. Uh, I think Much he later. lived until yeah. after 2000. Okay. Yeah. 
I didn't know if they were just trying to like honor him through the credit yeah. or something. But um, the thing that probably bugged me the most though was after the first Clubber Lang fight when Rocky gets knocked out, Mickey has the heart attack. I guess we're assuming it was a heart attack when all the pushing and shoving is going on in the stairwell. And so he has to stay back in the trainer's room and the doctors are attending to him. So Rocky comes I wrote this back too. into the trainer's room. And the first thing he says, the doctor's like, we've got to get him out of here as soon as possible. Time is of the essence. Yeah. Every second counts. They then said. they just let him lay on the table without any oxygen, without anything. And it's they like, already were. Yeah. If, what if that fight had gone the distance? Time is of the essence. Why don't you have him on a stretcher and in the yeah. ambulance? I, that's you know? it. Why didn't he at least die on the way to the hospital or something? And he got knocked out a minute into the second round. Yeah. Can you imagine if that fight even went four rounds? I know. That was a really bad way to end that. Yeah, that's that was my biggest and thing. And I didn't I appreciate Rocky lying to him. I thought about that, too. It's like, do you, you really going to? Really and like, is, do you think him? this your fight is actually what matters? Why yeah. isn't he out of here? Yep. Anything real new that you noticed that you didn't notice before, or do you have anything that more that bugs you before we move on? No, I mean, I guess I I've seen Hulk Hogan so many times, but I've never seen him that young. He looked huge. That's what because I had to look up when he was born and everything. I was like, man, so he's only like thirty years old at that point. And that whole scene was based off of throwing him into the crowd. Mm-hmm. I guess that Chuck Wepler did that with Andre the Giant. Yes. If you want to skip to that, where did I? I've got that in my notes here someplace. And uh, Wepler was tossed out of the ring by Andre right. the Giant. But in this movie, <laughs> Stallone said he couldn't pick up Hogan, so Hogan was actually jumping to get him up. Yeah, Hogan had to, <laughs> to jump to help him which is get thrown over the, the ring top. Yeah. All right. You want to go to favorite lines? Sure. Okay. So... Do you want to start with any? The first line of the movie, seven minutes in. I want Balboa. <laughs> I want Balboa. Yeah. Paulie, when after he throws the the glass at the pinball machine, uh, yeah, which is a real pinball machine that was right. out it on the launch in arcades, I guess. But he says, "In three years, you gave me a lousy stinking X Lax watch." <laughs> See, I didn't understand what was that whole scene about. And that's what's interesting. Like there was no. Resolution to it. Exactly. Because I thought, you know, you see Paulie, he's drunk, he's mad, he throws the thing, but then he's just basically bitching the whole movie, you know, he's, but he's hanging out now that it's like, oh, I got my piece of the pie, I'm happy. Yeah. You know? If there was no, if I was Apollo, though, I probably would have backhanded Paulie a couple times in Los Angeles. (laughs) It almost like Paulie didn't care if he won or lost. You're like, can he swim? And he's like, he's named Rock. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right, go ahead. Um, Mickey, have you ever seen a wrestler before? They can cause a variety of damage. <laughs> They're talking about how scary Hulk Hogan is. Right. And then right into the next line, which is, how much do you think he eats? Rocky asks. And Mickey says, about 202 pounds. And immediately it goes into, I've got and that. 202 pounds. Yep. So let me see. I can cross that one off here. Someplace. Uh, I've got that in the scene, actually. We can okay. talk more yeah. about the scene. Oh, okay. Fight. Yeah. But um, when Mickey... And Rocky are talking about whether or not they should fight Creed. Mickey, you can't win, Rock. This guy will kill you to death inside three <laughs> rounds. There <laughs> kill you to death. Yeah, he, well, you know. He ain't just another fighter. This guy is a wrecking machine, and he's hungry. He's just another fighter. No, he ain't just another fighter. This guy is a wrecking machine, and he's hungry. Hell, you ain't been hungry since you won that belt. Oh, what are you talking about? I've had ten title defenses. That was easy. What do you mean easy? He was handpicked. 
You know, and they did make him look pretty scary. They did. I was pretty young when I saw this the first time, and I was pretty terrified of Clever Lang. Mm-hmm. He and you're you're right though, because he again, Hogan is only a year older than Mr. T, and they're both in really good shape. Yeah, they were. Even Apollo was when they start running on the beach, and Apollo takes his shirt off. Mm-hmm. It's like, jeez. Yeah. Well, I mean, he was a pro football player though, so yeah. You know, like you would expect him to be in pretty good shape. Well, he's also been in our last two movies as a trainer. Yep. Or as a coach. Yep. And then one other Mickey line from that scene. Really, I probably should have just included it in scenes, but the worst thing that ever happened to you that can happen to any fighter, you got civilized. Yeah. And that's, again, the, like the, the shift. whole theme of the movie. Yeah, exactly. Um, at the end of that charity match, and he goes, sometimes charity hurts. Rocky Popola right. says that. Right. And then Hogan and him pose for that picture. Yeah. Very funny. Apollo is doing analysis, because that's, for the first Clubber Lang fight, he's doing analysis for TV, which, again, not very common, I don't think, back then. Now you see guys jumping yeah. around doing that stuff all the time. But he says, analysis strength goes to the challenger, while experience and the world's hardest head goes to Rocky Balboa, as I can attest to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then, you know, that kind of foreshadows some of their training. Mm-hmm. That's together. true. That's true. Uh, I like that right before the first fight, when they're about to touch gloves and Clubber Lang looks at him. He just goes, "Dead meat." <laughs> right. That's I've got that written right here. Dead meat. And then Clubber, after he wins, uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Some of those noises were a little extra, yeah. but that. Well, and then that scene, that part that I was talking about, where Creed goes over to the corner. Mm-hmm. Clubber says, "Don't need no has been in my corner." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Then he walks across and gets told, "Knock his block off." Yep. Uh, the, the other announcer, do you? Do you really think the champ can hit that hard? And Apollo says, why do you think I'm sitting here Why do you think I'm sitting (laughs) That was funny. You hear those dumb questions all the time. Yep. I like when Apollo's trying to recruit him. He's like, maybe we could win it back together. I had the tiger, man. That was the first time I heard I had the tiger in it. By the end of the movie, I regretted writing that one down. And it's funny because we've talked about if you like lines from the title that are in the movie. This time, it's not from the title, obviously, but it's from the theme song. Which I completely appreciate, but Mm -hmm. they kind of overdid it a little bit. Yeah, I agree. Clubber to a reporter before the second half. I'm going to torture him. I'm going to crucify him real bad. (laughs) Real bad. (laughs) You see, Clubber... Is there any other way to torture and crucify (laughs) than real bad? (laughs) It's the same thing as, like, killing you to death. Yeah, that's right. He's going to kill you to death. (laughs) But that Clubber Lane talk, almost consistent with the original Rocky. That's true. With how dumb he was. That's true. I like when they were getting ready in L.A., maybe, or California, wherever they were. Uh Uh-huh. They said, Paul just takes about six years to get to know him right. when him and Apollo aren't getting yeah. along. Yeah. Well, And then Apollo says to Paulie, this is where I started at, at the old gym. And Paulie says, that's problem. your problem. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was funny. I, see, Apollo was pretty funny in this yeah. one. I know. And then Rocky to Paulie, don't get mentally irregular. <laughs> yeah, they kept bringing that up. That, scene, uh-huh. that line got brought up a few more times. Did it? Uh-huh. At the very end. When they were getting in the ring, it was Apollo. And oh, that's right. It's like, don't let your thinking get irregular. Yeah. Um, I like when Rocky looked around. He said, how did everything that was so good get so bad? Yeah. Kind of a little deep. Polly to the homeless guys when he's trying to sleep. He yells out the window, shut up, you sterno bums. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah just right. I thought it was a funny thing to yell, you sterno bums. <laughs> Especially since he's usually that bum. Yeah, that's a good point. And then obviously, I think one of the most important lines, one of the most famous lines of this whole thing the interviewer asked, do you, do you hate Rocky? And Clever Lang says, no, I don't hate Balboa. I, I pity, pity the, the fool. fool. <laughs> and will destroy any man who tries to take what I got. And then the next line, prediction, pain. Yeah. 
But I pity the fool becomes his catchphrase for everything. Yeah, and it, still used when it was when he was doing uh, the TV show. He, uh, he still carried that with him. Yep, he was he was doing that in uh, the A Team. That's right. I, Apollo, there is no tomorrow. Right when he was, was like training, uh, yeah. tomorrow he's getting yep his butt beat. Yep. At the very end, I like when he goes, "You fight great, but I'm a great fighter." Yep. Apollo says that to Rocky. Yep. That was pretty good. All right, any more lines? So you want to go into scenes? I, that's all I got. Okay. So I thought one of the the first real scene after the montage, you've got Rocky and Adrian laying in the bed there together, and Rocky's singing the do-do-do-do. Mm-hmm. It's not that the scene was necessarily great, but it's a throwback to the first movie when the guys on the street were singing it. Do-do-do-do-do. And then, of course, they they play it. They the actual song you get it later. But I thought it yeah. was a yeah, that was a good scene. Yep. All right, what's yours? What well, do you want to start with? I put the Mickey's funeral because it's powerful. First of all, that the way he went, they kind of foreshadowed the whole movie that he was going to go away, and the way they did it involving Clubber Lang, I thought was pretty creative. But um, this funeral, and then the fact he was Jewish, because it did pay homage to all the boxing trainers. But I don't know. It's kind of a deep dive, but. I enjoyed it. Uh, I've got the Rocky versus Thunderlips charity match, whatever you want to call it. That whole thing was great. Yeah. They spent forever doing that. I know. Mickey, what the hell's wrong with you? Nobody else does this much for charity. And Rocky says, Bob Hope would. (laughs) That's true. Put Bob Hope in there. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Then Thunderlips, the ultimate mayo versus the ultimate meatball. (laughs) Oh, my God. The ultimate mayo versus... The ultimate meatball. <laughs> Boy, he is a monster. How much would you take even to get in the ring with him? <laughs> would you like to stop it at Fort Knox? Standing nearly seven feet, weighing 390 pounds. Oh, jeez. The wrestling champion of the world. That's the biggest arm in the world. A man who calls himself the ultimate object of desire. The mountain of molten lust. The one, the only, Thunderlip. The slugger from Philadelphia. How much do you think he eats? About 202 pounds. Weighing 202 pounds. The reigning heavyweight champion of the world, Rocky Balboa. All right, you guys, you know this is for fun, so take it easy and give him a good show. Listen, uh, after the match, how about uh, we get a Polaroid together, okay? Uh, you're in trouble. And then uh, Rocky's asking for a Polaroid. And yeah. It was, man, it's like when you see, like when when Hogan brings Balboa down and he like his back on his leg and his knee, it's like how did his back not break? Yeah. My goodness. Yeah, they did some creative editing stuff to make that. Go for it. Well, I was just going to say, then the other one, the son, where they're sitting there, Adrian's sitting there with the son. Is daddy having fun? And she's like, has a tear in her eye. like, yes, he is. I know. Sometimes charity really hurts. Yeah, and then it ends up that they say neither of them won. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Oh, by the way, do you remember I I mentioned Leroy Neiman, the artist, Mm -hmm. and the second one was drawing the picture? Yep. He was the ring announcer. He's an actual. He's actually 
famous painter, but he was the ring announcer for that scene, the guy with the crazy-looking mustache. Yep, he was also in Rocky Four, Five, Rocky Balboa, and he painted the picture at the very end of the movie, that, that scene with um, Apollo and— Oh, when it freezes? Yeah, he actually painted that. Yep. So he was, he's been in— See, well, that's, that's the style I was talking about. Like, if you see that sort of style of when you see sports art and stuff like that, yeah, most likely that's been done by Leroy Neiman. Yeah, he does a lot of stuff. Get cultured, Bobby. Why? Art? <laughs> art makes me cultured? Right. Do a podcast with you. I give away all my culture. <laughs> all right, what's your next favorite scene? Um, after the funeral when Rocky goes to the gym and Apollo's there. It's pretty intense because um, Rocky, he's on the motorcycle. He throws his helmet at his oh, statue. Yeah. By then the way, goes, that, that was kind of a thing that bugged me. How did he yeah. get the motorcycle up on that top level where the statue is? I he didn't just, pay attention. Just, was it the top of the level? Yeah, he was right up because the statue was at the okay. top of the steps. How did he yeah. get that motorcycle up there? From the back. The, there's no, there was a the ramp The building was right. Was there a ramp? <laughs> yeah. No, I don't know. I don't either. We'll talk about the statue in a little bit. I'm right, sorry. Yeah. I cut you off. Go ahead. No, so then he leaves there, and he's all sad, and he goes to the gym, and he's just standing there staring at the ring, and Apollo emerges behind him. He's like, and then that's when Apollo first approaches him about training, about yeah. trying to get him out of retirement again. And I guess it kind of does bug me, too, that at the end, so he came out of retirement to fight Cleverling again and won, and they said coming to the ring, he, again, this will be his last match. You said the exact same thing the first time. Yeah. But I guess that's boxing. People yeah. retire all the time. Change their minds. Yeah. So I've, I've got the uh, the statue dedication. That's the first time we see what became the iconic Rocky statue, and he's confronted by Clever Lang. We'll talk about the statue more here in a minute. But he's he's confronted by Clever Lang with the feather earrings. I mean, I thought that was a, a a nice touch to begin with. He's got these feather earrings and the like the leather jacket and and all that kind of stuff. But the Rocky chant also starts. That's the first time in the Rocky franchise where you get the Rocky, Rocky. That's, that was the first that time. That was it. And then you get it in the first fight as well. But we had never heard it because I was paying attention through the first two movies. We had never heard the Rocky chant until oh, then. This one. Wow. Yeah. Well, I guess because he was kind of unknown, the first one. Yeah. And the second one, yep. he still wasn't the favorite. Yep. But Clubber, don't give that sucker no statue. Give him guts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he had a lot of good lines where he... You know, he says to Adrian, I wish you had a real man. Bring your pretty little self over to my apartment. I'll show you a that real was, man. I thought that whole scene was really well done. <laughs> it was. It, he said exactly what he needed to say to get Club, or to get Rocky to accept it. He pushed the buttons, man. Don't get a sucker no statue. Give him guts. I told you I wasn't going away. You got your shot. Now give me mine. Why don't you get the hell out of there? Shut up, old man. I ain't going nowhere. And why don't you tell all these nice folks why you've been ducking me? Politics, man. This country wants to keep me down. Keep everybody weak. I don't want a man like me to have the title because I'm not a puppet like that fool up there. You know, you've got a big mouth, you know? Why don't you come out and close it, bad boy? Come on. Come on. He's tired. guy's crazy. Don't listen to him. The little man don't want to come to me. Then I'll come to you people and lay out the truth. I am ranked number one. One! That means I'm the best. But this bomb been taking the easy matches, fighting other bombs. I'm telling you and everybody here, I'll fight him anywhere, anytime, for nothing. Fight him, fight him, fight him. I've seen him. But you people ain't never going to see it happen because he's going to retire. You see, he don't fight no real man. He fight them setups. What? You're as disgraced to this sport. Shut up, old man. You and that chump don't know where I had to come from. Bad boy, your family doing real nice, ain't it? You call yourself a fighter? Prove it now. Give me that same chance. The way he's been ducking is the disgrace. If he ain't no coward, 
Why don't he fight me near? I can't listen anymore of this. Hey, anytime. I don't care what you rank. You don't get no shot, and I mean that. Hey, woman. Hey, woman. Listen here. Since your old man ain't got no heart, maybe you'd like to see a real man. I bet you stay up late every night dreaming you had a real man, don't you? I tell you what, bring your pretty little self over to my apartment tonight, and I'll show you a real man. You want to, you But man, those earrings—they do not hold up. No, that's that's a good that's a good point. <laughs> when you look at what doesn't hold up, that statue. Did you read all the stuff about the statue? Yeah. About what there, happened? There's so much about it. I know. So the city of Philadelphia is not a fan of that statue. Which is amazing. I thought it was kind of an iconic thing for a long time. Right. It's a nine-foot-tall, 1,500-pound bronze statue. Didn't it take like six months to make? Yeah. And they placed it at the top of the steps of the Philadelphia Museum of Arts. After filming was wrapped, Sylvester Sloan tried to donate the statue to the museum, but they said they didn't want it, sparking a huge debate between the museum and the city's art commission about what constituted art. Basically, they just said this was a movie right. prop. The city's most famous yeah. person is essentially a fictional film character. But I think it. I think ultimately, at some point, it came to sort of embody the spirit of Philadelphia. That's kind of what Rocky was supposed to be from the beginning. And, and I think at some point they embraced it a little bit more because it was up. They they eventually, after they moved it around and did all this different stuff with Put the Put it statue, in storage for a couple yeah, of years. it was in storage for a while. Yeah. Stallone took it to L.A. for a while. <laughs> but it finally sat up there at the top of those steps for several years before they finally moved it again. And now they've kind of got it sitting off on a grassy knoll or something beside you know well, next to the museum of arts did you see in 1981 there was a petition yeah wasn't it like a kid or an something an eight-year-old started a petition and they sat outside of uh the night that pete rose passed dan Musial right at veteran stadium right they stood out there with a petition and they got i think it was like they ended up with over ten thousand signatures wow and when they decided to for this premiere of the movie stallone took took that kid to the movie and when they brought out, they actually did honor Stallone with that statue later. I don't think it was at the steps. It was somewhere else. And he brought that kid as his guest and, like, hoisted them on his shoulders. Huh. So that's cool. Because yeah. he was, said it meant a lot to him that the, that the city fought for the statue. It's just a statue. It is. Of a fictional film character at that. <laughs> a good one, though. It wasn't like there was anything controversial that came out. Yeah. I, eh, I don't understand why you wouldn't want it. Any other scenes you got? Uh, the last fight I thought was, I liked it, but the only thing that was weird is Apollo was like, stop standing there. And Rocky's like, I know what I'm doing. Yeah. So basically he had this trainer that he just ignored anyway. Yeah. Well, and I did like, yeah, that's very true. I, I did like the the line between uh, Paul, Apollo and Polly where he's, he's getting killed out there. He's not getting killed. He's getting mad. Yeah. Right. He's essentially letting clever Free shots. Yeah. Beat the, beat the crud out of him, trying to wear him down a little bit. And I did also like that line where there's the exchange between Rocky and, uh, and clever where clever says something to him and, and Rocky's like, yeah, well at least I ain't breathing heavy. Right. At the very <laughs> end of the first round. Yeah. And I like to wake up and you're not so bad. You're not so bad. Right. And you know, talking to him the whole mm -hmm. movie yeah. or the whole fight. And then the, the very last scene was kind of entertaining. Cause he kept saying, I, I got a favor. I got a favor. Apollo did. Right. We don't know. And when you're seeing it the first time, you're like, what? Fa and Rocky even says it. What favor? You almost, I'm, well, I don't know. I'm almost yeah. surprised they didn't turn that into a title match in like Rocky Four. They could have. Like, you could have led off Rocky Four with that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised. I'm really surprised that, and maybe, maybe Stallone just figured that that would be way too 
cliche to 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 do that. But I'm I am surprised that they didn't have some kind of other re- and maybe that was kind of his way of doing it. It's like we don't need that. We can create other villains, better, yeah, yeah uh, villains that that that'll really kind of help propel this whole thing. I'm surprised that Clubber didn't get killed by the Russian, and then Apollo still could have trained Rocky. Wonder if they couldn't get him because Mr. T Popular is, now. is a lot bigger star at that point. Yeah, yeah, and he obviously thought a lot of himself when you kind of sit back and look at it. Yeah. Um, any other scenes? That's that all you I have? got. I did like the the ballroom scene where Rocky's training before the first fight, where it's like you've got fans and and they're selling T-shirts and merchandise and all this stuff. But that's where you see sort of how Rocky has morphed into the well, the Apollo that that mentality where he's overlooking him from the first movie. And that scene, he gets a kiss while he's doing curls or something. Yeah, and that kiss is from his his real life first wife. Yep. But they were already married at that point, right? I think so. I think so. Yeah. And then, he, of course, he ends up with Brigitte Nelson, Nielsen mm-hmm. by Rocky IV. But yeah. the final training montage, you've got the Rocky theme. You, you, know, you yeah. go back to old school after Adrian sets him straight on the beach. And my original <laughs> watching it, because I couldn't really remember exactly how everything set up, I kept going, why does Adrian have to be there for his training? But then we find out because she confronts him. And really, her biggest bit of dialogue and acting in the whole Rocky Series. franchise yeah. <laughs> yeah, happens right there. Why does she have to be there? She sets him straight on the beach, kind of gets his head back in order, and then he goes to Apollo, training montage, boom, into the fight. Did, was it Rocky Two where she was in the hospital and missed his fight? Yes. So, so maybe she was she, in the coma for yeah. a long time. So you could argue that she wanted to go. She's kind of making up yeah, for exactly. the yeah, fact right. that she didn't really get to be in a whole lot of the of Rocky too. Yeah. 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 I right. like the running on the beach stuff. That was pretty fun. I know, yeah. Uh, does it hold up over time, though? Because I have one of the things that I have don't hold up over time are the tank tops and the tight shorts, shorts that they're wearing on the beach. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that looked. Pretty early Kinda 80s. gone. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. John Stockton thought those shorts yeah. were a little tight. And then when Paulie is saying they can't train to the jungle junk music, and he actually calls, he can't train like a colored fighter is what he says. And yeah. It's like, whoa, it's like, that'll take you right back. It's yeah. like, <laughs> thought that was done in the 70s, let alone. Yeah. <laughs> and then they the, the way they kept throwing around kill somebody, I don't think that would hold up necessarily in a movie. It's like, oh, he it's, could kill you, or you could kill him, or go out there and kill him. It's yeah. like. I don't know. In today's era of PC-ness, yeah. I think that line would Toned be... Toned down a little bit. Yeah, go beat him up or go get him or something. Maybe that's why boxing has diminished as a sport because you know, just kind of along the lines of a lot of other things that we've said because just our culture seems to go counter to that these days. And like if you're right. going to be a successful boxer professional boxer you're gonna knock some that has out. to be your mentality yeah, yeah that i'm going to kill him before he, he kills, kills me, me. exactly yeah. right you know it's funny though because like the ufc does they don't get too much against that hmm. like they don't i they do a good job at stopping fights and stuff because yeah. it's it's not the 10 count and like there could well, be a the guy laying there like squeezing and twisting choking, arms yeah. and you know Breaking joints yeah. And, yeah it's just it's, it's a lot different than even boxing it right. seems like all right not a whole lot of new characters in this. Is there anything that Kevin Costner could have played? I uh, I think we just keep going. He could have been a trainer. Yeah. It's really about it. Yeah. Like the ring announcer, maybe? No, I don't even think he could have been that. I don't think his voice. He could have been, been 
the trainer of the train, like Apollo was training him, but then that other guy was training him. Yeah. Costner could have been that guy. He could have been like a lawyer advising <laughs> Rocky right. not to take the fight. Or or he could be like a sleazy fight promoter. Yeah. They didn't have a character of that. but yep. Dwayne the Rock Johnson. <laughs> I mean, I he, think it's, he it, could have been the Clubber Lang, right? Well, he could have. He could be Thunderlips. He could have. That's true, too. I didn't even think about that. That's kind of where he came from. He could have been either one of them, but he's probably size-wise somewhere in between the two of them, right? I think I read... He's 6'5", I think. Well, because they they say in the introduction... Hogan's 7 foot. Yeah, that Thunderlips is 7 foot, but he's actually only 6'4", because they also said he's 390, but I think he's really closer to around 300 pounds or something like that. But because... They say, don't they say Stallone is like six one? Yeah. So that to keep that accurate, right? They they shifted they them both shift the same. Up. Yeah, yeah, because Stallone is really. I've I've heard it said five ten, but having seen him in person once, I think he's closer to five nine. Yeah. Myself, and like when you see him and just his his size, and that's something also that really jumps out at you. And they mention it in the second fight is just how trim and fit Stallone is, especially when you compare it to the first one where he's. A lot, you know, stockier. Well, I read that he was actually weighed 191 pounds. And at that time, you had to at least be 190 to fight a heavyweight. Yeah. So he barely made the cut to he even be allowed. He would have been like a cruiserweight or something like that. Welterweight. Was it Welter? Yeah. Yeah. One of those. All right. Anything else? That's all I got. That's pretty much what I have as well. So So, wait, you never, she said this is the third favorite for you so far of the Rockies, correct? No, I, I put this second, barely number two. Okay. Rocky, Rocky three, Rocky two. Okay, okay, yep. All right, we'll do another one. We will about a month from now. We'll hit Rocky four, and then, which is probably the most popular one. <laughs> no, I don't know. I think so. Growing up, that was the one I knew it was about the Russian. But but that would have been closer to when you were born as right, well, right. because all the, the these first three were all done before you were born. Right. So. Either way, it's better than Rocky Five, and it, and it, that also kind of that was they really obviously played up the communism and the and and patriotism and and all that kind of good stuff. A lot of propaganda. Yeah, back because it was before the wall came down. They really played it up. It was done in '87. So we will uh, Ivan Drago. That will be next in terms of the Rocky continuation. Mm-hmm. But where are we going next? Because it's. It's early February now. We've been kind of teasing Miracle for a while. Do you want to go ahead and do Miracle next, or you, do you have another one you want no, to do? No, do you want to lock into that? Let's lock into Miracle, okay. because this month, February 2020, is the 40-year anniversary of the U.S. hockey team. Speaking of the Cold War. Miracle on Ice. Yeah, very true. <laughs> it's called another a segue in the biz. Yeah. Another tie-in there. That's yeah. right. So, Miracle will be next. The, the Ice Hockey Disney movie. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Starring Kurt Russell. And a bunch of guys you've never heard of. Yep, kind of like the team. You didn't know who any of them were. That's very true. All right, that is it. Two guys talking sports movies. We'll talk to you next time.